Democracy Speaks. I'm your host, Cindy Black, and today I am speaking with Eric Liu from Citizen University about citizen empowerment. So before um, the break, we were talking about programs, resources, um, and some of the things that you're doing with like us, Civic Saturdays. Now I want to get into talk about youth because I'm very interested in seeing how we can get youth more mm-hmm. involved. And I noticed that you have something called Youth Collaboratory mm-hmm. Project. So tell us about what that's about. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're talking here at a time where young Americans are awakening civically. Um, we'll, we'll get final data from the midterm elections, but already uh, the early indications are, um, if not record, at least levels of youth voter participation not seen in 40 years, right? Maybe 50 years in some cases. Which is um, encouraging. Which is encouraging. Um, and uh, one of the things that we've realized at Citizen University um, is it's not only that it's important to get young people paying attention, uh, but that it's super important to do that in a way um, that is situated in a relationship of mentorship. This goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier about the origins of Citizen University, that we grew out of a prior organization that had its roots in mentoring. Um, and so our youth collaboratory program is a program where we select a group of high school students from all around the United States, um, and they form a cohort with, that meets three times a year, uh, not only with each other, uh, to learn about how they can get, again, more literate in power, more grounded in ideas of, of civic character, and to be supporting each other um, in various projects that they're doing back in their own home communities as young civic uh, activists and catalysts, but more importantly, to get them connected uh, with Uh, mentors from a wider network that we run called the Civic Collaboratory. The Civic Collaboratory is this national network uh, of adults who are um, civic innovators from all different parts of the country, all different sectors of civic work. can be veterans work, civic tech work, civic ed work, um, immigration reform work, voting reform work. Um, And that group also meets three times a year. And so um, we get the youth uh, uh, to be able to spend time with Shadow, be mentored by uh, members of the Adult Civic Collaboratory um, so that there is a real feedback loop, a positive feedback loop of learning, right? If you're a high school sophomore or junior and you're starting to get really uh, into learning about gun violence or learning about immigration reform, um, it really helps then to actually meet somebody who for 20, 30 years has been working on gun violence reduction or on immigration reform um, uh, or maybe to meet somebody who's not working on those issues, uh, but is somebody you could learn from about how do you start an organization? How do you launch a campaign? How do you get apathetic peers to care about something? How do you use art, media, um, and creativity uh, to get involved, right? I mean, young people have a lot of imagination right now and civic imagination, and it helps if they can channel some of that imagination um, into precedents and models that they can learn from um, from uh, uh, mentors and examples um, that they get connected to. So that, so that program we have um, is equal parts young people forming and teaching each other about civic power and civic character, uh, but also um, uh, getting mentored by and, and learning from uh, these adults in the civic collaboratory. So it's very intergenerational, too. By which, design. Which I think is very important. I, I think that's another thing to get 
that I think we're missing sometimes is we're separating out the generations mm -hmm. and we're not all working together. Yeah. Um, I'm very conscious of that in the democracy work that I do is that I always want to make sure whatever I'm doing, I'm making sure I pass along to a younger person. Or if there's an opportunity to let them lead a meeting versus me, mm. because I see that I don't want that to go away, the knowledge that I put into it. I would rather pass that along. Mm -hmm. So I love that idea about matching people up and and, and, and sharing knowledge. And because the young people have something to teach the older Absolutely. people, too. I was just going to say that. I mean, yes. I think this goes back to, again, my, my roots in the mentoring work, um, that the, the learning, the transformation that happens is always two-way. Um, and the, the ways in which the adult members of our civic collaboratory, when they're spending time with the youth collaboratory members, they will, to a T, every one of them will talk about how um, not only does it give them more energy and purpose, uh, in the work they're doing and give them a, a boost and a charge, uh, but it actually often uh, gives them some insight about how they should see their work, frame their work, or do their work that they hadn't been thinking about before, right? And so there's this deep uh, mutual learning. And I think, you know, the, the other theme that I would say that undergirds all of our work at, at Citizen University um, is the spirit of mutual aid. Um, you know, whether it's our Civic Saturday gatherings, uh, whether it's the work of the Youth Collaboratory or the Civic Collaboratory, um, we're always trying to teach people um, in different formats how they can practice mutual aid, um, how you can say, how you can literally have a structure in which, um, you know, you form a circle of people and you take turns uh, telling the others in the circle about a project you're working on or a problem you're trying to solve somewhere where you need help, how we get into the habit of asking for help and then conversely, how we get into the habit of offering help. Um, and all of our programs try to bake that habit of both the asking of help, asking for help, and the giving of help. Uh, because I think, you know, you talk about how the intergenerational um, dynamic is missing in so much of American life. So is that simple habit of asking for help. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right? We are true. rugged individualists in America who are just going to figure it or out ourselves. Or or something. Yeah, and you yeah, don't want to, yeah. you feel ashamed to have to yeah, ask for yeah. help. And we live in a time right now where we've got to get over that, where we have to be able and willing to turn to each other and say, I am weak in this. I do need help. Uh, I am trying, but I don't know what I don't know. Um, and, uh, and if we can cr make it safe and possible and habitual uh, for more people uh, to ask and, and receive, ask for and receive help, um, you know, that's how we're going to re, uh, rejuvenate our democracy. It's not... Uh, by replacing this president with another president, uh, by getting this member of Congress uh, uh, replaced by that member of Congress. Of course, those things will help. Uh, but I'm a deep believer that the renewal of democracy is going to come from the bottom up oh, I, and the middle out um, and from the inside out. Uh, and we've got to practice it um, in, in the smallest circles. Yeah. Amen to that, definitely. Because I agree with that. I think it, it needs to be that's the only way it's going to happen. It well, you're you're happen. living proof of this. This show is living proof of this, right? That you're yeah. you're 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 taking it upon yourself, uh, both to ask questions uh, and then to amplify narratives of people all around, uh, you know, the community and the state and the country who are who, in locally rooted ways, are trying to change things. Right? You're not you're not trying to get. Um, uh, uh, you know, people in Washington, D.C., just to tell us what the solutions are going to be. You're going to folks who are uh, trying to figure it out. And sometimes they're having a hard time figuring it out, mm -hmm. uh, but they're trying. And, 
Um, you know, we talked about Initiative 940 and that successful campaign, but one of the big, um, you know, my formative influences uh, in political life. Um, you know, I worked in D.C. I worked in I worked in Senate and I worked for I worked in the White House <laughs> twice. Right? Uh, I know that world, uh, and I and I'm incredibly. You know, I was transformed by that time. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have worked there. But when I think about where did I get my education as a citizen, where did I get my real education in democracy, 95% of it has been in my life in the last 18, 19 years in Seattle. Uh, I spent 10 years on the Seattle Public Library Board. Uh, and when you're on the library board, um, you are in a neighborhood-by-neighborhood neighborhood way listening to people's hopes and dreams about what they want their branch of the library to be doing. Very community-based. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and how and whether the library in its programming, in its materials, in its staff, um, is or is not sufficiently responsive to the yearnings and aspirations of the people in that neighborhood, right? That formed me. Um, after the Sandy Hook shootings, um, I and a, group of, uh, a small group of citizens uh, launched an organization that became the Washington Alliance for Gun Responsibility. Um, and so as the co-founder of that organization, we were the people who put that ballot measure on the ballot a couple of years ago, yep. first to pass universal background checks in our state. Then last year, we had another one uh, to pass extreme risk protection orders in our state. And now we've just passed a third That's one, right? right? Uh, we have some of the uh, best gun laws. We have the strongest gun laws now in yes. the country. Yes. And, and with all due respect to my friends, and I don't mean this glibly, I have many friends in the state legislature. With all due respect to my friends in the legislature, this happened not because of them, but in spite of them. Yes. Uh, this was the people uh, getting frustrated with the ways in which gun, res gun responsibility uh, proposals and simple reform proposals were getting bottled up um, in the democratic chambers of the legislature. Um, and the people uh, had to bypass the legislature, and the people did. And the people still are finding ways to do that, right? That's bottom up. Uh, that's from the middle out. And uh, I think that's, uh, to me, the spirit of our times. And I agree with you. Oftentimes you look at reforms and you're, if you're not getting anywhere in the legislature, then you do have the option of doing the work and getting it on the ballot. It's a lot of work. But it's a lot have, of work. But we have that option here in the state. And look, sometimes you'll, you know, I, I think with 940, there's an example where the, leg, you know, pressuring the legislature um, got the ball partway down the field. Um, and now that the people have voted on it, the legislature is saying, OK, we will now actually enact legislation that will uh, achieve these goals. And, and uh, you know, I think <clears throat> it's a good partnership uh, to be had between the people and their representatives. Uh, but sometimes if that body is stuck, uh, you got to unstuck, uh, unstick right. it uh, or, or bypass it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I want to get into talking a little bit about another project that you have, the joy of voting. Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of voting, did a lot of voter reg stuff over the last few months. So tell us about what this is about. Yeah, this is another program of ours at Citizen University that, uh, um, well, the name of it uh, in some ways encapsulates it all, but it, it is about really trying to rekindle uh, what used to exist in the United States, which is a culture of joyful, raucous, creative, participatory engagement around voting in elections, right? This actually grew out of a, an article I wrote for the Atlantic magazine a couple of years ago, uh, noting that back in the, you know, there was a time uh, all throughout the 1800s and even up till uh, really the advent of television when voting, especially local voting, uh, was about things like street theater, open air debates, parades, 
dueling concerts, bonfires, toasting, like all of these kind yeah, of joyful, creative Celebration rituals. kind of thing. Celebration yeah. and ritual and uh, festive, you know, kind of there was a festal feel to the whole thing, right? Now, television sort of killed that. Uh, and now our other, you know, screens, our smartphone screens have, uh, you know, really killed it further. But what I said in this article was, there's no good reason why we couldn't revive that. Mm-hmm. It's actually, especially at the local level, people are hungry uh, to see each other again and to get off their phones and actually be face-to-face in a joyful, creative way. Um, and so after that article, which got a lot of response, um, the Knight Foundation, uh, which operates in 27 cities around the United States where there used to be or still is a Knight Ritter newspaper, uh, the Knight Foundation said, we agree with you. Let's do this. Uh, and so they funded us over the last few years um, in... Uh, seven different cities around the country um, to uh, create little programs where we provide micro-grants to artists, musicians, designers, active neighbors, everyday citizens uh, to come up with local projects uh, that can rekindle the joy of voting, right, in ways that are very locally rooted. And so uh, in Akron, Ohio, for instance, uh, a, a small theater company uh, came up with short election-themed plays that they would perform on the back of a flatbed, uh, flatbed pickup truck and drive from neighborhood to neighborhood performing these oh, plays in open air, wow. right? Um, in, uh, uh, in Miami, which is, of course, a great party town, um, one of the projects there was uh, an all-night dance party with one of the best DJs in town where the only way you could get in was to show that you'd registered to vote. Right um, in uh, Philadelphia, uh, Old Town, Colonial Philadelphia, there was an election-themed scavenger hunt uh, all through Old Town. So all of these, again, joyful, creative ways to get people in a playful, intergenerational uh, uh, mode uh, about engaging, and so that you know, again, the spirit of voting should not be "do your duty, eat your vegetables." You know, you're a bad person. The spirit of voting should be join the party. Join the club. Join the festivities. This is something we get to do uniquely here, right? And let's have some fun with it. Um, And that's not to be naive and Pollyanna, right? The things we're voting about are often very serious, very heavy, very dark. Um, uh, And nor is it to be Pollyanna about the reality that in many jurisdictions, as we see still right now, um, there is active voter suppression. Uh, There are many obstacles to participation in voting. Uh, We're not naive about that at all. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is that uh, the way to break through some of that and the way to, to again, rekindle a spirit that says uh, in people's hearts, hey, this is mine. And when people are trying to suppress or block the vote or people are trying to discourage me from participating, uh, they're messing with my identity and my power uh, and not just me as an individual, but me in this group that is going to show up en masse, right? We'll show up to party, we'll show up to dance, we'll show up to play, and we're going to show up to vote together, right? And uh, uh, and so it's been a really um, uh, fruitful project that uh, Miami, Philly, uh, Akron, Wichita, Grand Forks, West Palm Beach, um, a couple others that I'm forgetting, um, but uh, a real di- a Charlotte, um, a real diversity of places um, where that spirit has been activated. That, that's wonderful. I love that um, festive feel to that creative feel. I think we we're missing that creativity yeah. about engaging people. Well, we are, but but it's coming back too. I love think that. about the women's march. I love that. That's right? coming back. Think yes. about these marches yes. that have been happening in the last eighteen months and the the incredible creativity. It's pretty amazing, right? The yeah. banners, the puppetry, the 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 just the wit of the signs and the posters and the placards, right? 
Um, it's reviving it in a way, somewhat. Like um, I know the '60s during all that, there was a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would call it artful activism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I would say that's coming back to, in a sense. Well, I would agree we are you. sitting here uh, in the building where our offices are, um, which is the Impact Hub building. Mm-hmm. Downstairs in this building is another organization called Amplifier, um, whose work is literally all about artful activism. They, they, are, they are the organization that made those um, viral posters. Yep. Um, I have several of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that began during the Women's March and, yeah. and other such posters. Um, and they are an art-making machine that's generating uh, art to be used in civic uh, uh, and political action, yeah. right? And that's, uh, uh, but it can't just be for artists, right? This is, the, 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 the underlying theme of all this work is um, we are all citizen artists. We, are, we should all be bringing a spirit of creativity to citizenship, uh, and we should all be thinking about how we participate in democracy um, as an act of creativity itself, mm-hmm. right? Every movement, again, this is not just a left-wing thing, right? The, the, you may disagree with the Tea Party, uh, I, you know, I certainly do on, on policy agenda and so forth. But the emergence of the Tea Party um, was itself an act of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were in their costuming and their language and their branding and the way that they, you know, they, they were intentional about using art, iconography, creativity, imagery, music in ways that were expressing that particular movement of rebellion. Right. Uh, the same has been true now. Uh, of, of movements and organizations that have thought of themselves as the resistance to President Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter matter whether you're left or right. This capacity to activate creativity um, is our birthright um, as participants in civic life. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Democracy Speaks. I'm your host, Cindy Black, and I'm speaking with Eric Liu from Citizen University. So in our remaining minutes, I, I want you to talk a little bit about what you think a citizen actually looks like in terms of, you know, good citizenship in terms of behavior, interaction mm-hmm. with community. Ultimately, how does somebody get there? What does that look like? Yeah, well, I, I always take pains in the first place to say that when we talk about citizenship and the word citizen, um, we're not talking primarily or in some cases at all about documentation status under the immigration laws of the U.S., right? We're not talking about passports and papers. We're talking about this deeper ethical notion uh, of being a member of the body, a contributor to community. Now, the community that we are talking about ultimately here is the American community. We are talking about life in the United States. Uh, but I take pains to point that out because there are a lot of people in our community, in our city, in the United States. There are plenty of people who lack the documents but live like big citizens, in this deeper sense. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, the, there are a lot of people who have the documents, but don't live like big citizens. That is true, right? too. Uh, and, and it's worth pointing that out. But, you know, what does it mean to live like a big citizen? So I, I often think about this in a very simple um, mock equation, uh, which, is, which is P plus CH equals CI. Uh, and what that means is that power plus character equals citizenship. So if you want to be a fully embodied citizen in this in the sense that I mean, um, you have to, yes, be literate in power, understand how power works, who has it, who does not have it, why that is, what forms it takes, what the laws of power are, 
um, how you can get to the heart of the question of who decides about power, right? You got to understand that and not just have this blanket vague, oh, they decided that, you know, fill in the blank. They decided to cut bus service. Uh, they decided to uh, uh, have a head tax or not have a head tax. Uh, they decided uh, to put this homeless shelter here and not there, right? There's no they, right? You are part of that they. You just happen at the moment to be an illiterate part of that they. Right? I, I and so, so agree with you. I hear they all the time. I go, you know, we're the they. We're the they, <laughs> right? And we have to understand power. But understanding power, while it's necessary, is not sufficient. You have to couple that literacy and power with a grounding in character, right? If all you have is deep, deep understanding of power and how you move systems, how you manipulate people and so forth, all you are is a finely honed, skilled sociopath, right? Uh, you've got to couple that literacy and power with this moral core, with this ethical core. And to me, the, when I talk about character in the civic context, I'm not talking about individual virtues like perseverance or diligence or honesty. I'm talking about character in the collective. How do you live in the company of others? Right? Values of service, values of sharing and sac sharing of sacrifice, uh, values of mutual aid and reciprocity. Right? You do right by me, I'm going to do right by you. Uh, values of uh, contribution before consumption, uh, of responsibility over the long term and not just short term gain. Right? These values, uh, you know, and, and there are different ways in which these values show up. Some of these you might think of as religious values. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking uh, on, uh, in a couple days at Seattle Rotary. Uh, and Seattle is one of the biggest, most active rotary clubs in the United States, right? Seattle Four. Um, these are rotary values, right? Service before self is literally the anchor value yeah, that's of their rotary, mission. Yeah, right? It's yeah. their mission. Um, what, you know, uh, some might hear it and think, oh, these are YMCA values. Uh, some might think of it and think, oh, these are Muslim values. Some might hear this and think, oh, these are Starbucks values. I work at Starbucks. And whatever your, your channel in, um, the idea is have values that are pro-social that are about not just individual selfishness, but are about contribution uh, and about what it means to, um, uh, you know, run your leg of this relay race, right? Uh, which is like democratic life, right? I and, like that uh, analogy. And so that, you know, to me, a citizen is someone, uh, a big citizen is someone who understands power and has a deep grounding in character and knows how to combine those two, right? Each half of that equation alone, P plus CH equals CI, is insufficient. Right? If all you have is character uh, and a real good grounding in values, but you have no earthly idea how to get anything done, you have no earthly idea how to move people, ideas, money, government, um, then you're just philosophizing. Right? You're just indulging yourself. And so that combination of power and character um, it makes the heart of my definition of a citizen. And then, then you just look around. Right? This is not just about national politics. Then you look around to the neighborhood you live in, the block you live in. On the block you live in right now, you can apply literacy and power and the ethics of character right now, right? And that might be about who lives on your block, who doesn't live in your block. It might be about questions of crime and punishment. It might be about questions of um, transportation and transit. Whatever the issue is, um, these things are not national, international, global abstractions. They come right back home to where we are. Um, we, we do this TV show called Citizen University TV. Um, and, and every episode is, takes these ideas about citizenship and grounds them in the stories uh, of people who are 
um, expanding Seattle greenways or people who are doing restorative justice work in South Seattle or people who are uh, uh, trying to uh, build more opportunities for, uh, you know, uh, uh, gardens and uh, nutritious access to nutritious food and to, to kind of uh, uh, populate food deserts, right? Uh, whatever the issue might be, it's rooted in the life of your part of this city or this community. Um, and that's where you can flex that muscle and exercise and practice uh, what it means to live like a citizen. I love that analogy because it's true. It is all on the local. It's community. It's I, We see Washington, D.C., and we look to that for answers, but the real answers and that it's up to us and it's right here at home. It, it has to be good it's with in us our at home. Of in course there are some issues where the national government is the right arena yeah. to deal with things at scale or to make sure that localities and states aren't just in a race to the bottom with each other. Of course. But the, from, a, from a standpoint of what's going to heal democracy, it's got to start with yeah, us at home. Absolutely. Right, right at home, yeah, right here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what's next for Citizen University um, for you. Well, um, we're, it's been a really exciting uh, time uh, for us. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, partly because, as you say, over these last couple of years, um, so many people have been awakened. Right. The, the, the people who brought Donald Trump to the presidency uh, both were awakened by his candidacy and they, they have remained uh, engaged. Uh, they showed up in big numbers also during the midterm elections. Uh, the people who have uh, been resisting uh, the Trump administration, uh, they've been showing up in new ways. Right. I mean, I think uh, whatever your point of view might be, um, the truth is that we are living through you know, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. Let's just say that. I, I, I'm quite a critic of his uh, as a man, uh, much, lo much less as a president. Um, but I will say this. I give Donald Trump credit uh, for helping to spark the greatest surge in civic engagement this country has seen in half a century, right? Uh, he may not like that credit, but it's because of him, uh, good, bad, and ugly, uh, that people are showing up and waking up again. And so for us at Citizen University, um, we're trying to take um, all of these people who have been interested bystanders, um, who have been awakened into action, but don't quite know yet, well, what do I do? How do I plug in? How do I sustain? How do I engage in ways that's just beyond a vote or beyond a march, right? Uh, and our work is really trying now to go deeper um, uh, with the people who have been uh, awakened, interested bystanders. Um, uh, we already know that people like you and me, Cindy, who have been longtime civic nerds, you know, we're always going to show up, right? Um, but there are a lot of interested bystanders who are now just awakening. And quite frankly, on a lot of other issues, uh, a lot of people who are realizing are cut out of the, the conversation altogether, right? That there are deep inequities uh, around race and class uh, uh, that, uh, th that the first sets of conversations that we often have on civic issues don't even include uh, young people, uh, immigrants and refugees, uh, people of color. Um, and so our work at Citizen University in the next couple of years is really uh, not so much about trying to further uh, expand our portfolio programs, but to really now deepen um, and to give more people uh, more ways in uh, when they feel that sense of, I'm awakened, but what do I do in it? What do I do next? Great. So we're almost out of time. Do you have any last words of wisdom you want to share with our audience? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I, uh, a lot of the work that I do right now in power grows out of a book that I wrote um, fairly recently called You're More Powerful Than You Think. 
um, a citizen's guide to making change happen. Uh, and, and my last uh, word of wisdom is a little bit uh, based on voting, because we're just uh, talking here not long after the midterm elections, but it's about something bigger than voting. Uh, when it comes to elections, I have this line I always use, which is, there's no such thing as not voting. Not voting is voting. True. Right? Not voting is voting to hand your power over to somebody else whose interests may be inimical to your own, and basically, say, you know, not voting is putting on a big kick me sign uh, and saying, treat me like a chump uh, and take my power and voice uh, and use it against me. Uh, now, I always say that in the run-up to elections to try to get people uh, to recognize that, uh, you know, that, that, that they should actually cast a ballot. But what is true of voting is also true generally of participation in civic life. There is no such thing as not participating, right? Even when you say, oh, I'm too busy for this, I'm checked out. Guess what? You are participating. You are feeding uh, uh, th those who are uh, uh, wanting to take uh, who are very happy for you to sit on the sidelines and they'll take your power and they'll take your voice and they'll say, here, let me rig the game to my interests. Uh, let me run this racket. You're too busy? That's great, right? Uh, and I think, uh, uh, you know, my, I, I underscore this because the message, again, isn't just, um, this is your duty, you should participate. The message is, do you want to be a chump? Do you, <laughs> this is a time right now where people are awakening to our responsibility and our power um, and my message is don't throw your power away. Don't throw your voice away. Don't throw your vote away. Uh, you know, as they say in Hamilton, don't throw away your shot. Yeah. Um, and uh, a vote is not a cure-all. Uh, a single engagement on a single issue is not a cure-all. Uh, there is no cure-all. Uh, th is, there is no magic pill, right? Back to our uh, nutrition and diet metaphor. This is just about do you get in the habit of showing up? Do you, in the, do you get in the habit uh, of claiming your power, uh, and I think it's a good habit to get into. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing what it means to be an active and involved citizen. Cindy, thanks so much for this conversation. It's been fun. Again, I want to thank our special guest today, Eric Liu, founder and CEO of Citizen University. For more information about Citizen University and how you can get involved, please visit citizenuniversity.us. For more information about other democracy efforts here in Washington State, please visit Fix Democracy First at fixdemocracyfirst.org. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future programs, please email me at cindy at fixdemocracyfirst.org. That's C-I-N-D-Y at fixdemocracyfirst.org. You can also listen to past programs archived on our podcast page at democracy-speaks.pinecast.co. Thanks again for listening to Democracy Speaks. Join us again next week. And remember, democracy needs you just as much as you need democracy.